That would have been cringy. If you stayed in character, Lindsay. <laughs> Could you imagine? I would have quit. I would have left the business. I would have gone to Chicago and become a coder. <laughs> I would have been like, Carla Stickler, are there any openings? I'm done. Hook me up. I'm out of here. My name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. Because we're here to talk. And maybe scream. About our favorite women in musical theater. Well, Lindsay Pierce, you are here. Our first ever Sentimental Men guest is yeah. back with us yeah. at the end of her contract. Yeah. And the first time we had you on, we recorded for like two, three hours the first time we had you on. But then for whatever reason, when we first started, we were like, no one's going to listen to this for longer than half an hour. So we must cut it down. So we truncated your like three hours of wisdom to this like very snippy, snappy half hour episode. Yeah. Really? I have no recollection of it being that long. And I also have no recollection of it having been cut down. Yeah, it was I, long. It we was talked long. for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> we did. All, I will also say we didn't just talk about like, I mean, we just, I feel like we were, from what I remember, I was like, wow, it was so nice to talk to theater people about theater. Mm -hmm. yeah because it was in like the thick of the shutdown yeah it was in like september or something mm -hmm. like that of 2020 mm -hmm. and i felt like i hadn't I, and i also hadn't talked about wicked in the way that we talked about wicked together mm -hmm. it's a very different yeah. way to talk about wicked because you guys are so you're so very like woven into the fabric of theater in so many different ways you have so many different mediums mm -hmm. of being like a part of theater. So it was really nice to talk to people who not only were like fans of theater, but were also like creators of theater and you, <laughs> sure, you, you, sure, you're sure. backstage. It's just, it's great. It was great. It was great. You oh. guys know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, we were so excited to have you back on for an exit interview of sorts. At the time of recording, you still have two more weeks left in your run. Yeah. I'm, it's May 9th now. And I, my final show is 3 PM, May 22nd. And how are we feeling about it right now? Yeah. What is, you know, I had a cry about it about two weeks ago where I just couldn't believe that after all of this time that it would eventually be over. And I've known, mm -hmm. I've known since I knew my friend was going to come in after me. Yeah. I've known for months that this was the end date, but you can't quite work towards an end date like that. You have to just take it every right. day and every week as it comes because as I'm sure with all the other people that have played this part or have been in, you know, the green machine that is wicked have talked about is there's no week that is the same. There's no two days that are the same. Most of the time, sometimes you're like flying free. Ew. Hello. Sometimes you're like, really like, <laughs> sometimes you're really feeling on the top of your game. And then sometimes you're like, this is the hardest seven shows I've ever done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, or you're like, you're just like being dragged across coals. And then sometimes you're like, I did eight. I can't believe it. Like it's, it's yeah. a wild. It's really. I mean, it's amazing. But two weeks ago, I was um, I was sitting on the floor and I was packing up things in my apartment because I'm Ooh. leaving soon. And I yeah, and I, I was like, oh my god, there was some. This is so silly, but like looking at all, like folding up all the winter clothes and like yeah. folding up things that I knew I wasn't gonna take on my next job on tour. And just like folding up this home that has heard a lot of a lot of warm ups, <laughs> she's, she's she's held a lot of tears. Um, you know this yeah. home this home has been there's green everywhere. <laughs> like there's green there's green all over the place. And uh, I was I just couldn't believe that I was gonna say bye to not only the character, mm -hmm. but the the company that I've been a part of for two and a half years well, and this yeah. life that you've built in new york because i remember in the first episode in our first interview with you yeah over a year ago you were talking about you were moving to new york for the first time you were a fish out of water this was your first big job in new york right. yeah have do you feel like you've settled into new york and you're you live here now like you are a new yorker yeah i feel that way my you might know him. My friend Michael Kushner was like, no, you have New York energy. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. I've, I've, I've become. Um, and uh, I do. There was the, the, I'll tell you exactly, actually, because this is a pretty sentimental men moment. I'll mm. tell you exactly when it hit me okay. that it's all like the chapter is closing. So I'm at Birdland Jazz Club mm. and Debbie Gravitt is singing and Stephen Schwartz is on yeah. stage singing with her playing uh -huh. and Sam and I 
had just gone up, Sam Gravett, my Fiera had just gone up yeah. and we'd sung love song from Pippin. And, you know, Steven, Steven was the sweetest and he was like, ah, oh, it's never been sung that. Like just, he's the sweetest, <laughs> the sweetest, like just good, you know, Papa Schwartz being Papa Schwartz. <laughs> and um, we had gone back and sat down and I had a friend with me. My friend Emily was sitting in front of me. And at one point she'd gotten, you know, overcome with emotion about something and I'd taken her hand and she turned back to me and she went, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And I just went, I, I like, I felt that like pre-cry breath, of, yeah, you know, yeah. like that, like that inhale. And I went, I don't want to leave New York. Yeah. And oh. I knew that I, I, I had known for like a month and a half that I was going to go do Mean Girls after this. Right. And yeah. I, I've known since like second week of March. Was that a hard decision to be like, I'm going to pack up and go on tour after being stationed in New York? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. No. In fact, I I had said openly um, in like December, I was like, I want to do tour after this. I think that's going to be really nice to do. Why? What's the reasoning? I think I just want something different. Mm-hmm. I want a different challenge and I want to see different places. And I think after being quarantined for so long and then... Um, I say this with love, but playing Alphaba is its own kind of quarantine in a way Yeah, mm-hmm. where sure. you, you really do. And, and it's a blessing to live by habit in that way. It's a blessing to, you know, the, the girls say you, you're, you're a monk, you know, or you live like a nun. Um, mm-hmm. There's a blessing to that. There's awesome, wonderful things that come along with having a routine like that. But I think, you know, there's a loneliness that comes along with it too. Mm. So there's and that's just the truth it's not it's not a negative thing it's just an observation as someone who has been doing it and it's uh were you expecting that like were you expecting the routine to manifest as loneliness in that way no I think I think I felt a certain loneliness because there were a lot of things that I left behind coming back to this job Mm -hmm. I when you know last you talked to me I was engaged to someone and um you know and I hadn't gone through an injury within you know moments Mm -hmm. of reopening (laughs) and uh (laughs) I hadn't I hadn't gone through the roller coaster that was this contract yet so I hadn't gone through the the bitter beautiful cold of a New York winter which is like (laughs) oh my god the best and worst thing I've ever experienced but I love I truly I love New York with my whole heart and there's a lot of that and then honestly also like the you know just the the natural anxiety of the COVID of it all Mm -hmm. there's kind of a I think even if I wasn't playing Alphaba I think there would be you know through the time of me being in this but specifically because the role is so demanding and you have to give it the respect it deserves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's like a stay away from me kind of thing you know where I don't I don't see a lot of friends I don't see Mm -hmm. and and they kind of have to work around my schedule because some of my friends are not actively performing in this moment so they have like their other jobs that they do Uh so they're like off at night and I'm like I don't wake up till noon. Right. Well, that's something I've been thinking about as like people have becoming more lax with COVID where it's like, yeah, society's maybe getting more lax, but sure. still if you're a Broadway performer and you test positive, then you're out of your job for 10 days. So you still kind of have to be staying away and like yeah. being mindful of it in a way that maybe not everyone else is being right now. Yeah, absolutely. you're 100% right. And I think also it's a, if I've gotten it and we just found out I had it, who have I given it to? Mm-hmm. That was when I found out that I had it, I immediately messaged Jenny and I was like, I'm so sorry because she was afraid of giving it to her kid, you know, or that she was going to have to lose time with her kid. And it was, you know, and we were all like, you know, it's no one's fault. Right. But it's still shitty. It's horrible because you just, you know, you feel responsible because it's your autonomy. You want to like take accountability for like the the space that you inhabit. But at the same time, it's theater and we're all basically spitting into each other's mouths. (laughs) You know, it's like, what can you do? Right. The amount of times, the amount of times that I have stepped down god this is probably going to end up on one of your reels but i don't care (laughs) the amount of times that i've stepped down on the stage right cog going unlimited my future is unlimited and spittle is just flying from my mouth into the audience and all i'm thinking is like close your eyes (laughs) (laughs) close your eyes I'm not, I'm just watching like gobs of my own yeah. spit just fly into the audience. And I'm like, wow, it really, we really, it's projectile. You can't help it. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. And sometimes during scenes, if I'm really, if I'm really enunciating, I'm like, oh my God, that made it to at least like row C. <laughs> like at least. <laughs> like, well, we were talking about before we started recording how your contract is very unique because there were a lot of forced pauses in it because of the time that we're living in. Yeah. I'm putting myself in the shoes of an actor 
and I would personally feel gypped for lack of a better word like i would feel a little bit like well damn like why is this all happening to me yeah one did you think that too mm-hmm. how did you reconcile with that feeling of unfairness because of just the place that the world was in i appreciate this question and in a way i do relate but it's not an unfairness there was never a why is this happening to me it was why can't i do what other people have done mm-hmm. that's been that was a thing that kept coming up for me and God bless all the other green girls ahead of me. They were like, truly. And I, you know, everyone's going to have their own opinion and that's really none of my business, but I've, Mm -hmm. I've given my sweat, blood, soul, and tears to this. And I'm having the time of my life doing it. Oh, don't even start crying right now. We're not even 10 minutes into this, but like (laughs) truly it's been the time of, it's been the time of my life. I've loved her as much as I could possibly love someone. And I've given her everything and I've, I haven't done a bad thing job at it so it's I wouldn't have I wouldn't have the role if I did (laughs) I would have been let I would have been sacked long ago (laughs) so it's you know and my own insecurities as a human being because I am a human being at the end of the day and Mm -hmm. I do have feelings and I you know and I do I think I'm the best person ever to play the role no do I think I'm the best singer in the world no do I think I'm the best actor no but I'm good enough to do it for as long as I have you're more than good enough (laughs) No, but like, that's just like the brass tacks of that statement. But what I experienced was it wasn't, this is unfair to me. You know, I've been gypped. It was why, why can't I have what everyone else has experienced and what, you know, what is, what is wrong with me that I'm not having a similar experience and pretty much everyone has been like, you internalize it as like a you problem. Of course, of course I did. Interesting. Of course I did. <laughs> you also have to remember that I've I've experienced some really negative feedback while in this job from mm-hmm. outside people. Like people yeah. personally sending me screenshots of comments uh, that I'm trash. Like so I I've had to really remind myself that um if you're not in my arena, you don't your opinion doesn't matter. Right. You don't get a seat. It's very bad. If you're not working in what I'm working on, doesn't mean you're lesser. Right. But mm-hmm. if you're not doing this, you don't get a say. Right. Because you can't look at these women that have all done this. Because they say it about everybody. It's not mm-hmm. just about me. Yeah, exactly. But like you can't everyone gets and it. that's and that's and that's just the dark side. Like that's just like the that's just the disappointing end of things. Because it doesn't matter if it's wicked. It's everything, but in that in that same breath, the amount of like unbelievably wonderful messages that we get. But of course, mm-hmm. all we want to do is like focus on the negative ones because it means that we've been right about ourselves all along. Right. So that that's been the thing that I have struggled with in this, where I was like, God, I just I feel like a failure. I feel I feel like I've failed at this. And every single person that I've talked to about it has said, uh, except no one else. Right. has dealt with covid did it yeah, for 3 right. weeks and then it got shut down people people didn't even get to come back to their jobs for other things that got shut down you know right. and then closed and not a lot of other people got injured a week into reopening a broadway show and then had to call out mid show because i thought i was going to fall out of the levitator cuz my leg wouldn't hold me up anymore yeah oh my god you know and then and then still had to do the tonies <laughs> And then the wild thing is, is that that like leave of absence, that medical leave of absence Mm -hmm. was only supposed to be six weeks long, but I had to wait for two weeks to get that six week evaluation. And then once that end of that six weeks happened, it was the middle of Thanksgiving. So they had, Mm -hmm. they had no time to rehearse me and they were doing the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It was that long. It does not feel that long in my memory. I was out for almost 11, technically almost 11 weeks. I was out. And then I came back and then immediately got COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I came back and immediately got sick. Okay. So do you feel though, like, like how did the like pandemic COVID of it all and then the injury of it all and then the like your personal COVID of it all and the mental health like did you feel like god i just want to settle into this fucking role yeah yeah there was definitely a moment like through january i was like oh for god's sakes i was recovering from like physically as a singer and as a performer and i still struggle mm-hmm. with breathing mm-hmm. i have asthma yep. i have sports induced mm-hmm. asthma so i it was already like a struggle and i've already had covid before so i was like but i had covid at the top the height of the pandemic 
and I had like a year and a half to get over, like to figure out how my body worked. So yeah, yeah. coming back with like extremely symptomatic COVID um, after having it was a total trip and like totally like wild what that kind of stuff can do to your voice and the amount of other singers that I've talked to about it mm-hmm. yeah. have been like, it's crazy the way that your singing is affected because you've gone through this respiratory situation in your body. So when do you feel like you really settled into Elphaba where you were like, I am comfortable doing this. This is my role. I think I started feeling the rumblings of comfort around, (laughs) um, around like the second week of February. It was like my last week with Amanda Jane Cooper. Yeah. Then Brittany started, I would say like February is where I began finding the stride and March was just like, a dream. March was just like the most fun. It just, I remember there being a week in March where I couldn't believe that we had gotten to Sunday and I wasn't as tired as I would have expected myself to be on a Sunday. Yeah. Like, and it's not, here's the thing is I, you know, there are some, there's some cords of steel out there and there are some women that can just like do every single show, you know, and it's, or, or they've done it on tour or that, you know, they have like, I had to completely relearn how to sing in a totally different way in order to sustain Alphaba because I've never done anything that required this consistent amount of stamina. Mm-hmm. I had done, I've worked so much in my nearly two de- decades of professional work, but never every single day, you know, same, right. same kind of quality every day, you know, that people are paying tickets to see this level yeah. of et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when I finally felt like I was not only giving the show that I wanted to give, but the mm-hmm. show that I thought was sustainable enough, it was around mm-hmm. March. And I was like, yeah. And then April felt pretty good. And then I, <laughs> my allergies went, bye. <laughs> <laughs> One last bump in the road for the go. <laughs> As we're coming to the end of our Alphabet contract, mm-hmm. what was the most... Yeah. I assume you had preconceived notions going into the role of what the role was going to be and what it was going to mean and how it was going to feel. What was the most surprising thing to you actually doing the role? I feel like I get this question all the time and I I feel like I always answer like, oh, you know, I learned something different from, you know, it every day or something. But I, I honestly, I feel, I feel like I'm drawing a blank. Um, I think I expected it all to be a little more serious. <laughs> um, like I expected, you know, I expected it to be, you know, we are on Broadway, right? Like we are, mm-hmm. like, and the amount of photos that I have backstage of us doing the dumbest things. And like, of right. course I knew, I knew that at the heart of us all, we all are community theater kids. Like I know that at the, mm-hmm. you know, at the core of my being, but I think there was definitely a, it was kind of like what we talked about last time when I, I said, you know, I, there was a moment where I went, Oh my God, I am a fish out of water yeah. and I don't, mm. I don't know anybody. And I, Oh God. And I had the honor and the privilege and like the wonderful experience to reopen this show and rehearse with mm-hmm. this cast and, and rehearse with the new people that have come into the cast. And I've gotten to know these people and there's, and I also think through all of the wild things that we've gone through, you know, in these like nine months together, it, you really bonds a group of people and these Mm -hmm. people are amazing and they're kind and they're considerate and they're generous. And, um, you know, the relationships backstage are just warm and they're loving. And I, I wasn't expecting to fall in love the way that I have. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I was expecting to, to really bond with these people because my previous experience had been, I don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. and that's been, that's been turned on its head and granted, you know, it's always, there's always that joke of like, you never leave wicked, but I think that's more of a thing for, well, not for Alphabas lately. Cause honey, we pulled in everybody <laughs> we could. Come on. All oh skate. my God. We were limp. We had a bone sticking out of our shin. We were limping <laughs> along. It was a mess there yeah. for a hot minute. My God. God. But kind like, of iconic though. Uh, honey, we could said our, our. It was, yeah. uh, God, it was, I mean, it truly, I mean, it's remarkable, absolutely unbelievable what people are capable of. Like it's it, mm-hmm. it just, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you bat, you have to bow down to it. It's unreal. Yeah. Well, speaking but, of um, that, yeah. we talked to Carla Stickler and she was taking us through her alphabet yeah. journey. And she talked about how, when she first started playing alphabet, she was going through a really like tumultuous personal time in her life where she was getting divorced and alphabet mm-hmm. playing alphabet 
really saved her and that it helped her grow into her confidence. Mm. I can't remember if we were talking about this as we were recording or not, but you also went through personal turmoil over the pandemic. Yeah. Did having something to come back to and a job and a character to play. Yeah. Was that helpful or was it harder? It was, yes. The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Um, It was both. There is a deep well (laughs) that I didn't know I had. Um, I always considered myself like a deeply emotional person and, you know, compassionate and connected and very afraid that people don't like me. So I will do anything to make you like me, please. Um, (laughs) But I, there was such a, I didn't realize like the, I hadn't even dug the well as deep as it could possibly have gone. Um, I've learned so much about myself. I've I've learned so much about getting myself together. I've learned so much about how to truly leave something at the door. And if you can't, you got to take it out there with you, Mm -hmm. um, Mm. safely. Were there moments where you took it out there? Yeah, same moment. Honey, (laughs) honey, were there moments? Honey, how can you not? I mean, the the, the line begins to really blur between self and work. Um, when, Mm -hmm. you know, like we said before, when you, it deserves attention and respect i mean mm-hmm. it takes a lot to to play this role and that's not to like continue to like put quarters in the bubble gum like dispenser that is the lore of wicked but it really is <laughs> it's a hard it's not just like the sing can be hard or the acting is hard it's all of it you've talked about it it's the rake it's yeah. the touring it's the dress it's the hat it's the, it's the faff is it's the other 21 like, hours of lot, the day yeah that like you wake up and you're immediately going hmm like where am I like Mm -hmm. it's a lot and like oh god if I eat that am I not going to be able to sing tomorrow there's a lot Mm -hmm. of that but as much as being a part of Wicked has torn down so much of what I thought about myself it's built it all right back up Mm -hmm. um and I Mm -hmm. my you know my big stuff really blew up like three days before we started we had our first rehearsal so I I was just so grateful to be um, and you know, and again, it's that again, 2020 looking around going, God, I don't know any of these people. Um, I knew my mm-hmm. principles and, and most of them knew it was happening in my life. And most of the people that were closest to me on the creative team knew it was happening in my life, but you know, being like, Oh my God, I'm going through one of the hardest things that I could go through as a human being moved across the country left everything behind, yeah. started a new job, had the death of a relationship, like this whole, you know, yeah. this thing, you know, and I still I love that person for the rest of my life. But like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just one mm-hmm. of those things. And man, and then like birthing Wicked, <laughs> like right. with all these, like everyone together yeah. collectively birthing a green child. Like it was, it was a lot. And I was just so surrounded. And also it was one of those things of like, yes, there's a lot going on, but we've got bigger stuff to do right now. Mm-hmm. So, so there was, there, I was all I could think about. And I think I said it to you guys when we had Chipotle down there in the garden. Um, (laughs) And I was like, I'm eating spicy food. And I (laughs) paid for it the next day. Oh my God. I paid such a dear price. I woke up the next day and I was like, no, my acid reflux in my throat. Um, But I, uh, all I could think about was like, I just want to give it back to the people in the seats. Mm -hmm. I want to yeah. give it like so badly all I wanted, you know, and every, everyone probably felt that way where they were like, we just need an audience, but I truly, yeah. I just wanted to give it away. I wanted to put all of the time and the pain and the love and the disappointment and the joy and the fury that we had poured into all of this. Mm-hmm. Cause it wasn't just like whatever had happened in our personal lives. It was what we, what happened to us collectively. We'd all yeah. just been through this thing. So to, get to have that I mean you were at opening it was nuts yeah and Wicked reopening did really feel like okay Broadway is back now because a couple of shows had opened before but like the staples like the long-running staples reopening felt like okay we are here again Mm -hmm. yeah doing that and being a part of all that madness of Broadway's reopening did it feel historic or were you kind of just like I'm doing a job and whatever else is happening outside of me is happening outside of me um it did. It felt, it, it definitely did. I mean, there was so much hot, like that morning, bless them, the ensemble and our standbys and our Fiero were on the Today Show at like four in the morning. Everything that you feel is taken from you or that you give away for stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a baseball. I think it's a boomerang. I think it eventually, 
goes out and it collects what it needs to collect and then it comes back to you mm-hmm. and you catch it and you're like oh it's still just me it's just mm-hmm. you i truly the amount of the amount of things about myself that i've had to shuck that i've had to like let go of in order to let the new things in narrations in my own mind about myself um what i am and i'm not capable of turns out i'm capable of quite a lot mm-hmm. um the amount of the amount of times that i've shown up to the theater being like this is the day this is the day where i I'm calling out my show again, or this is the day mm-hmm. where I, it, this is going to end up on one of those, the worst of wicked, sure. you know, like this is the day <laughs> where it's like, ha ha ha, it's like, it's going to be that. Or it's George of the Jungle. <laughs> I'd also like to say, I know that we've, I know that we've had discussions on this podcast about bootlegging. Y'all, if y'all mm-hmm. out there are bootleggers, just get non-reflective cases for the love of mother <laughs> effing God. Oh my God. We can see you, babes. We can see you. Also, I have to ask, and then I'm going to finish that thought. Yeah. I just have to ask, why in God's name is anybody's phone opening up in the Photos app and immediately the flash is on? Always have that That's on. true. Period. In life. In what? life. Especially if you're going to record you a bootleg. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, the amount of times I have seen that. Uh, and then, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> There were two. There were two yesterday in our matinee. Brittany and I are in the middle of four good, and you know it's a beautiful picture. Multiple phones come out, and we see flashes turn on and then immediately disappear. And I was like, for God's sake! My favorite though, my favorite though is Defying Gravity ends, lights go out, mm-hmm. and they think we can't. Flash. Well, everyone's gone. Everyone has left me, but I'm still out uh-huh. there. Right. <laughs> That's just not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that particular moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you guys immediately after. I was like, they have to know. They have to know. Um, <laughs> I can't believe that's not online somewhere. It has to be. But, someone um, has I, to be here. It has to. Someone, here's the thing. If, you, if someone is listening to this, it was getting recorded because what I saw, what I always see in the darkness is everybody's phone glowing with the voice notes open and recording. <laughs> That's me. That's, that's I me. Can, I can see you. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, it's really amazing. That's the, that's the thing is it's like, God, just the love for this show and the the love and like the dedication of the fans and the people, the, the messages that I've gotten from people saying like, this helped me through the darkest time in my life and to see it live, you know, or you're my first alphabet or this is my first Broadway show, you know, like it's, and not even that, or like I've seen Wicked 13 times and it never gets old. Like there's yeah. someone that's been here, I think 93 times. Jesus I Christ. think his name is Michael and he's, and he gets like the same seat every time. Oh my God. And he's unreal, unreal. Like the love because it's Wicked and it doesn't get old. And the beautiful thing about Wicked is it changes mm-hmm. constantly yeah. because it's a moving amoeba with new parts coming in. And But my point anyway, going back was like, the amount of times that I have gone to work going, this is the day where I prove, you know, that mean comment or writer, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I go out and I, and then I blink and I'm like, it's over. Mm-hmm. That was, that wasn't bad. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't bad. Also, Mary Kate Morrissey posted this on her story the other day. And mm-hmm. it was, a, it was Heather Headley. Enough said. <laughs> he, when she was like, actor wakes up 8am. There's no way I'm singing this show. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. like 10am. Seriously, no way, absolutely not. 12 p.m. Okay, ma'am, I'm gonna give it a couple hours because I don't want to like call it too early. Because if I can't right. do it, I'll do it. 2 p.m. You know what? A couple more hours. I'm gonna I'm gonna drink water. Maybe I'll start warming up. 4 p.m. Touch and go. But I'm feeling <laughs> confident. 8 p.m. You get there and you're like, I think my voice is suddenly with me. And then 10 p.m. You're like, oh, it's 10:30 p.m. You're oh, it's over. That was one of my better shows. <laughs> and then the next day, you're like, there's no way I'm doing this all over again. Right. And the fact that yeah. Heather fucking Headley right. said that is so eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Like she's a legend, y'all. Like, right, she's right. Legend. It's also like we're all just people. Is like what I realize as I get older and older, where I'm like, everyone is just like a human, like doing their best, you know? Yeah. It's like performers and athletes are the ones that get that everyone gets a yeah. say in how they're doing their job. Which is also like none of my business. Right. And I don't, and I don't exactly. think, I, and, and that's the thing is like art is subjective and everyone is entitled mm-hmm. to their opinion. Opinions and feelings aren't facts, whether they're my opinions and feelings about myself or anything mm-hmm. else, like that, that applies to everything. And it, 
I don't, I don't bring up any of that stuff to say like, Oh, I was being abused. And like, I'm a victim. No, it was just, it made Mm -hmm. me realize, Oh, I'm putting a lot of stock in things where like, would I even want that person to like me? I learned a lot about like (laughs) someone in the cast, I was having a bad day and it was one of the principals and, and I texted them and I was like, I'm just, you know, I'm feeling this way and that way. And they had been feeling a similar way. Cause they were like, I just want to, you know, I feel like I'm calling, I'm nervous about calling out, blah, blah, blah. We were having this talk. And finally the day landed where I was the one that was like, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling this. And they went, um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you this, you show up, you do all of this and you still manage to be fine. And I was like, Oh, that's the bar. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just show I think up. Kindness gets you a long way in this industry specifically. To be honest, sometimes I'm. I think it's to a fault that I'm mm-hmm. that I have been raised to be very, very kind, and it's also a trauma response. But it's also <laughs> like, but truly, like I. But kindness, kindness makes me feel like my side of the street is clean. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel like I am. I am putting forward what I really want to see. But also, like, I, it's what I want to either receive right. or it's what I want to see more of. So, therefore, I try to put as much of it out as I can. Right. Am I a mm-hmm. saint? Honey, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so from a business, like, career standpoint, you were a very visible alphaba in a way that, like, alphaba replacements haven't been visible because of the COVID and Broadway reopening of it all. Did that open doors for you career-wise? Did that lead to opportunities? I have to imagine it did. I think if they did, I'm not aware of them um, yet. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think maybe I'm downplaying myself because I also do that. Um, yeah. I, I auditioned for three shows in the month of March, which was the month... February into March, I was auditioning for three shows, and that was when I felt my strongest at the show, which is really interesting because I think it was because and I was. And is that kind of when you were like, I'm looking to move on to the next thing, I need to line something up? Well, no, I, 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 knew, that, I knew that I wasn't extending. I knew that none of us were extending. Right. Gotcha. Okay. I, we all, we've all known. We've known for a long time. Yeah. I knew because my replacement is a friend of mine. So right. it was, yeah. you know, it was. Which who told us? Oh, Julia Murney told us that the tour girl, she goes, I heard the tour girl's taking over on Broadway. <laughs> have to tell Talia to so scour that she'll actually ship <laughs> she'll be like shut the fuck Julia Murney <laughs> Julia Murney kills me now she also Julia Murney sent me cookies um, oh, when I came cute. back from my injury of course she did yeah she sent me cookies because she told me like no no one's gonna give you a cookie oh if you go there's oh. no a cookie show like no one's gonna give you a cookie if you don't call out and go and make yourself miserable right. when you should have called out like that kind of stuff. Right. And, um, mm. and so she said, <laughs> when I came back, there was this like party bag full <laughs> of homemade cookies and a letter from <laughs> Julia. And the PS was like, sorry, the cookies are weird. The oil ended up making them weird. <laughs> Julia Murney thing. <laughs> so and she funny. was like, I told you I was going to bake you cookies when you came back. And also, how fucking cool, excuse me, am I allowed to cast? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. I figured. But, like, how fucking cool is it that not only not only is, like, my friend going to go play Alphaba and Wicked on Broadway, but she's going to be with me for two weeks in the theater. Oh. That's right. Guys, hey, that's man, amazing. That's, that's really cool. She's going to come see it tomorrow with me. Well, she it. was like, I have rehearsal 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. at night, and I was like, Weird time to rehearse. Yeah, but then I guess it makes sense because the show is going there's on. A no, couple, yeah, there's a couple nights where like MB will go up to the rehearsal room and then and the show will be going on. And sometimes, because I would rehearse at those times as well, mm-hmm. and sometimes we would stop and be like, oh, this is the scene we're doing. And we'd watch it and be like, see how they go from here, see how they go here. Because there's a TV up there. That's right. a monitor for everything gotcha. going on on the stage. It's, I mean, it's just, it's just so good. Like, she gets to trail me. Yeah, that's really cool. And she's so young, too. I think this is, like, a huge moment for her career. And she's and there's no one more deserving. And she's worked her freaking butt off. She's so good. She's so good. I can't wait. Like, she's when so Jenny good. and I went and saw her in Texas, we were like, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Unbelie- like, she's unbelievable. She's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> she's a beast. Okay, so, Lindsay, last time you were here, we asked the alphabet question. Are you a Wizard and I, Defying Gravity, or No Good Deed Alphabet? Mm. Do you remember what you answered? 
We'll tell you if you don't remember. I remember it like verbatim. Yeah. I said, I'm a defined gravity alphabet, but I want to be a nova beat alphabet. Isn't that what I said? Yeah. Yeah, I love that you remember that. I'll tell you what, I'm still a defined gravity alphabet. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I've been told I'm a no good deed alphabet, but I would disagree. It's not because I don't love oh. no good deed. I just think, I think I feel my strongest in the show at defined mm. gravity. It just mm-hmm. feels, it feels like home. And I love God. I love no good deed. I love singing it. And it's so, it's in such a wonderful place vocally. And it's so fun to act and, it really is just you and those unbelievable monkeys doing like crazy things behind you till they exit. <laughs> and you're just walking around in fog looking incredible, you know, and it's, it's so much mm-hmm. fun, but Define gravity just feels, I mean, it's one of the best ends of an act ever. And also yeah. I, you're kind of doing it with other people as well. Like it gets to end with kind of everyone on stage mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. I don't know. There's something about that getting to, cause I look down at them as I sing a lot and I pick a person sometimes to talk to or to, or to scream mm-hmm. at once I'm doing the mm-hmm. bring me downs I'll, or the battle cry, I'll kind of like swoop over them and I like look them in the eye mm-hmm. and there's, I don't know, there's something about that. Just, it, it scratches the itch for yeah. me. No, I love that that stayed consistent through your run. And for a second there, I was a wizard and I alphabet. Bold. 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 <laughs> and then I went, I literally, and then that weekend ended and I was like, bye. <laughs> Okay, so Lindsay, we're going on tour with Mean Girls as Janice, replacing Alphaba Mary Kate Morrissey. Yeah. So you said that like you wanted to go on tour after this. Yeah. What was kind of your thinking of like, okay, my career post Alphaba? What were you envisioning and kind of planning for? Um, I. It's interesting that. I wasn't thinking about my career. I was thinking about my life. That's mm, kind of that's kind of the thing. Yeah, but I um I'll be honest with you all. There's kind of nothing there's there's nowhere to go after Alphaba. Mm-hmm. Um not saying that Alphaba is the be all end all, but there it's not something that you can top because it's not right. comparable to anything else. How are you gonna top your Broadway debut in which you got your equity card, in which you reopened the Broadway show and then you did the Tonys and you did Jimmy Fallon and you did seven thousand shows and you did blah blah you yeah. know like it's it's not and you got through COVID, you know, and you did all these like nevertheless she persisted things. <laughs> you just don't like you don't like you don't you don't top that's that this is this is a once in a lifetime experience and that's not me coding this like sometimes very harrowing and wonderful yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. That's not me sugarcoating anything. But there's there is no job yet for me that I have yet to know about or experience that is ever going to top or check off every box the way that Elphaba, this was 12 year old Lindsay's dream. Mm. So I have like, I have fed her, her just rewards. I have fed her everything she ever dreamed of. I got to do, I was at the fucking Tonys, you guys like met SJB at the Tonys. I, I saw her at the Tonys. <laughs> we Like we locked eyes. We did not meet. We locked eyes and we both went. And then that was it. But she was sitting like right in front of me when I came out and started screaming at the top of my lungs. And I was like, sorry, <laughs> are you triggered? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, like I, I stood next to Leia Salonga and walked off stage and she was like, you better be belting up in the stratosphere for a hot second and then say bye. Like, okay. Yeah. And, and I, I got to stand backstage with SJB and like Josh Grove, like all of these people backstage yeah. sobbing, watching Jennifer Holiday come out and sing. And I'm telling you, I'm not sure. going like, wow. you know what I mean? Like I got to witness yeah. amazing thing. Like I got to, I got to be in a Tony's performance. I got to be in a room with friends and people that I have never dreamed that I would ever be considered in the same industry as let alone be Mm -hmm. put in the same room so going back I don't think I think I had to release this idea of like oh my god like what do I do after Alphaba it was Mm -hmm. right did you feel that at first what like like when I knew I wasn't gonna keep going like pressure to top it um yes but not for me Mm. it was from us right 
Yeah, it was from you two. It's from both of you. Exclusively. Here's your exclusive. It was you. Um, <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was like what I've really learned in this is that my own expectations of myself are the only ones that matter. God. I mean, I love the people that, that support performers are some of the most kind and generous and like caring. And sometimes they're performers themselves. And sometimes they're just like frontline workers or, you know, like just people that mm-hmm. love theater and that's the people that we do it for. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, students, <laughs> I'll never forget the Taco Bell Cantina students. If you're listening Taco to this, Cantina. there's a Taco Bell Cantina next to Wicked. I Go. know which one give you're them, talking give about. Give them all your business. <laughs> Give them we, all your Quincy business. and I have never been out together without ending up there. <laughs> Honey, you can't. It's the, it's the, it's the spicy potato soft tacos for me. Okay. It's a, 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 the vegetarian in me is like, I'm not, it's, um, so I went, I ordered my, I ordered my spicy potato soft tacos, three of them. Thank you very much. And I waited and I was going to turn on a book. I was going to turn on an audio book and I heard next to me. So when Dr. Dylan, like, and I literally was like, I like I pulled it out for a second because I wanted to, Just hear, to hear what, what they their were asking takes are. What they and they weren't like, oh my gosh, and this person, and then they were talking about the show. Mm-hmm. They were talking yeah. about, mm-hmm. but how if they were there and she was there, how Mary did Kevin. she get to that? It was very, it was like dramaturgy, and they yeah. were, and then at one point they elekanamanamand over their fucking food. <laughs> <laughs> The kids are all right. They're they're doing okay. <laughs> like they were college sweet baby Gen Zers, and I I literally was there full green, like right. in the hair, and my mask. They must on. have known. Uh, well, they they let me know after that they did know, and I almost uh, went over and was like, I just have to tell you, it's giving bursting into a Denny's or an IHOP at midnight after your community theater production. And mm-hmm. like only ordering a plate of fries and multiple milkshakes mm-hmm. like that. It's the, it was the same energy and it made me miss my friends in theater back home. Like it made me mm-hmm. like it just the theater community is the best part of this. So that's the stuff that like I realized I was like, I'm doing it for those kids. I'm doing mm-hmm. it for them. And 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 I don't but you also don't need to be for everybody. That's the thing yeah. is what I've learned from myself and like my codependency. I've learned so much about my codependency isn't just to myself or my interpersonal relationships. It's, it's making sure like, God, I hope stage management isn't mad at me. You know, or if I call Mm -hmm. out, what are they going to think? Or what does the cast think that I don't, I'm not worthy to be here. You know, like no one's thinking about me. No one. Clearly, as long as there is one person in green makeup with a fucking dress on, the show will happen. (laughs) Belting the notes. (laughs) They need a body in that, $20,000 $20,000 gown. Like, that's all they need. brown boots. Funky brown boots and that weird kippa, that yarmulke <laughs> beanie. God, I love that thing. Quincy I'll miss it. that girl. I'll miss yeah, that Yeah, we got thing. into it where I was like, Elphaba's <laughs> entrance look is not like the look I would have chosen for my first day of school. You know, even being Elphaba. <laughs> the thing I love about Elphaba is she's like, no, I'm I'm a serious student. Like, that, I have my glasses. I'm collegiate. My, yeah, like she really, she was really like that. I am that mm-hmm. I am a book bookish girl, and I yeah. will play the role, and you will exactly know. I mean, it's just that's the thing I love about her, though. But I, I think going into a new job and like wanting something else after, I said, you know, what do I want to do mm-hmm. after Wicked? What will fill my cup? And mm-hmm. I had auditions for three shows, and through these audition processes, this one particular one that was going to be in New York, I got to meet unbelievable women that I would never have met mm. in any other capacity. And now we're friends <laughs> like, oh uh-huh. because we all, we all went through these like wild, like multiple callbacks, work sessions, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Like I had the moment you asked earlier, Quincy, when you were like, do you feel that wicked opened doors for you? I went into an audition for the Les Mes tour mm. for Fontaine. And I was like, oh my gosh, this Fontaine Alphaba pipeline might be happening yeah, again. Like we we might, Lucy and I, like, <laughs> oh, Lucy, baby girl, <laughs> like, watch out. Here I come. Cut my hair off and give me a locket. Um, I, <laughs> and I went in. I went in for it. And, um, and I, I was trained in that kind of singing. So it was really exciting to sing that kind of stuff again and then go mm-hmm. sing Alphaba afterwards. It was, like, really mm-hmm. informative how, like, your voice can really – navigate through multiple different ways of singing and um 
I walked in and one of the casting associates for Tara Rubin was like, mm. oh, I see you every day. And I was like, explain that. <laughs> and he, uh, he was like, I walk, he was like, I walk past the breezeway. I walk past your picture all the time. So it's really nice to like see you. And he was like, and I know he was like, you've just been like, he was like, we've, you know, we've seen you in the show. It's like, you're amazing. And it's so lovely to actually see you. And, and, uh, and I thought, my God, that is so wild. Like, that's so wild. You know, when I went into Mean Girls, they didn't have any moment of, you know, oh, you know, stuff in your ears or anything like that. Um, And I had actually, I had actually been finally cut from that New York project. I'd been cut mm. and I went home and knew I called my agent. And I was like, I know it's not going to go further. I know it mm-hmm. isn't. I just know. And she called 30 minutes later and she said, it's not going to go further, but Tara Rubin loves you. But Telsey just called. Can you put something on tape for mean girls and Telsey cast wicked. So I was like, ha- obviously happy to like audition for Telsey again. And yeah, I was right. like, nobody, and I went, nobody watches tapes. <laughs> the next morning I had another call, a call back for it. And I was like, interesting, fun. And I said, yeah. God, I would really love to tour. Um, and to be honest, I love Fontaine and, and Les Mis is like a dream show. But I got offered Mean Girls before I could even continue with callbacks for Les Mis. And I thought, you know, maybe after Alphaba, it'll be really fun to play an artsy, weird, alien freak. But also maybe not get horribly abused on stage for once. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe fun. maybe I won't do a show called The Miserables like, <laughs> right after I do a show called Wicked. Like I, yeah. but truly, I mean, I I had been asking, and I sat on the phone with my mom, and she was like, you know, because my mom had never heard of Mean Girls the Musical. She was like, what? Sure. And uh, and she went, is this really something you wanted to do? You want to do? Because I called her after that first callback, and I think I said, I think I'm gonna get this. Mm-hmm. I just had this feeling in my heart. I was like, oh my god. I was like. Well, it's like such a perfect part for you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. It is. It's a good fit. But I genu- I was like, I just said, I think I'm going to get this. And I said, and if I don't, I think it's going to lead to something else. I just feel, I can feel this energy. And it seemed, mm-hmm. everybody just seemed good and loving and kind. And like they were passing my resume around that first audition, that first callback. And mm. and I was like, oh my God, did you see that I mean wicked? Like I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, I hope that they know that like I will work so hard. Um <laughs> <laughs> like I did, I was, that was like, that's, that's where I go is like, God, I hope they know that I'll put in the work. Um, mm-hmm. and I sat right here on the floor looking out this window and I cried on the phone to my mom. Cause I said, I just want, I want to meet new people and I want to have a little bit more breathing space and mm-hmm. I want to give this to someone else. I want to give this role away. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I love Alphaba, and if I ever get an opportunity to ever play her in any capacity again, I don't think I would say no. But Interesting. I was 28 when I got this role, and I'm mm-hmm. 31 when I leave. Yeah. And it's been a lot of life in between. I got to be a part of a really amazing moment for theater. and That you'll remember to- forever. Forever, but also well, and like, that you'll be a part of for forever. Like yeah, anybody who learns about that moment will learn about you. Yeah, yeah. But it was also like I got to be there with that audience. I'll never forget mm-hmm. that for as long as I live. People, Oof. people have asked me, you know, did you black out? I, I was so present. Mm. I was so there. The only time I got nervous was when I went up in the air. I was like, I can't hear anything. Because it so was, I was just, loud. Because people were screaming at the top of their lungs, and it made me want to cry. I yeah. was like, because I was so overwhelmed, I could feel it. And it wasn't, it wasn't Lindsay Pierce playing Alphaba. It's, it wasn't like I am playing Alphaba. I was like, oh my God, they're watching her fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That night was like insane. It was, it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. The sound and like, and knowing, knowing that I would have to look at one of the monitors, like just, I remember going up, I went, it's me. And I literally looked down at Dan and I was like, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> because I couldn't hear the, I literally was like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> but, I was also, but it also didn't matter because they couldn't hear me anyway. Like, sure. I didn't care. They couldn't hear and me. And we would have kept screaming. They would have kept screaming. We would have been like, yes, bitch. <laughs> you better backphrase. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but that was, you know, that was like, it was, I mean, it was just, 
it was just amazing. And like, I was, I was there on the 18th anniversary. I was sitting in the office watching and I went out into the wings and watched Jenny not fly and go forward mm, and like yeah, hung out with her. Right. And, and like it, she, and I got to get to know Jenny even better. And I got to get to know Alyssa, mm. like the amount of people that have, because of these wild circumstances, because of these unbelievable circumstances, multiple people got jobs, mm-hmm. multiple people mm-hmm. got to come back to work mm-hmm. because of these wild circumstances. Like nobody wants anybody to get injured, but other people got to work. Yeah, right. <laughs> like that's, other people got to have time back in the theater, and I think that that's the major win. Amanda Jane freaking Cooper, are you kidding mm. me? Like, the the amount of morables I've got to have, like, come yeah. on. I've yeah. had, like, five or six morables, plus the, the women in the ensemble that, that covered morable. Cover, I mean, it's yeah. just been, it's been amazing. I've worked with every Fiero cover. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. Every Chiscree Under the Sun, every possible version of Nessa, like I've, it's Bach. It's been phenomenal. Yeah. I've gotten, I've gotten like multiple contracts all stuffed into like the six months that mm. I've actually been able to do. Yeah, totally. And it's, and it's been a dream. So what is one word mm-hmm. or phrase to summarize your Broadway alphabet journey? Spectacular. It's been spectacular. I, I wouldn't change a single thing. It's been the mm. time of my life. It's been the hardest, most wonderful thing I've ever done. I will miss it because I will miss the people that make that job so phenomenal. I'm not going to see these people every day and I'll probably never work with these exact people in the same capacity ever again, which is always like, it's just, it's a Polaroid. I have so many mental Polaroids of, of moments and funny things and like your zippers down and, you know, like just all these like silly, ridiculous things falling over and, you know, nearly chipping my teeth on Dan Gleason's teeth and like just unbelievable, (laughs) hilarious, ridiculous things like broom mishaps and hats falling off and things flying into the the audience. And like, God, I I accidentally threw a pair of glasses into the audience once and I was like, bye. (laughs) That's a souvenir now. That's never getting back to us. Um, But like, you know, it's the, the people and the laughs and the, the chat threads and the text threads and um, the theater of it all. The theater of it all. Yeah. It's the best. And it'll never be the same. It'll never be that ever again. And I'm also very let, ready to let Alphabet go. Mm-hmm. She's given me everything and I've given her everything. And that's going to go on for two more weeks and then I'm going to take everything out of that room and put it in some boxes and I go to the tour the next day. All right. Well, Lindsay, we do this segment in our outro bits when it's normally just Kevin and I, where we answer a listener question. Cause we've run out of things to talk about, about this show. So okay. we let other people come up with it. <laughs> I love that though, because there's, there's so many other people out there that are sentimental men. I know. I we know. are all sentimental men. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> Dearest darling, it's Kevsey and Quincical. Of all of the ensemble line readings in Wicked, which is your favorite or do you consider to be the most iconic? Things like, look, it's Glinda. Why does wickedness happen? Um, is it true you were her friend? Or my personal favorite, the um, ensemblist in the original cast recording, who sings a little bit louder than Kristen Chenoweth on the final note of the finale. Thank you. <laughs> First of all, I think I know who that might have been. Kathy Beach. Kathy Beach, the original Shen Shen, um, was my coach for my Wicked Audition. Wow. Oh my God, that's right. There's I remember, cyclical. I think you told us that. She's the best. Oh my, oh my God. And she can wail. There's literally, there's literally spaces in the original score that just say beach on top. Wow. Like no, there, it's like that. first soprano, second soprano, beach. Beach. <laughs> it's a fun little, fun little thing for you. Yeah. My answer is it's not the, is it true you were her friend? It's the woman who comes up and hits the husband after. Oh, you love that part. I love it because you have to sell it for the bit to work. And whenever the ensemblist does sell it, I live for it. Because you're like, why would you sully this hor- this beautiful moment with your dumb nonsense? Literally, like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Yeah. 
Shut you get like 20 up. years of marriage history in that one hit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. It's like burners, not again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we can't do this here. Oh my God. I love that. Oh my God. I love that. I love that so much. Kevin, what about you? It's not like a singular solitary ensemblist, but my favorite ensemble vocal in the show is in the last section of What Is This Feeling? When it's like, clothing, 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 is it really so strong? So strong! And it's like, it's so loud and it's so much sound and I love it so much. Yeah, and I, yeah. Like, I wait for it when I'm watching that number. The thing I love about that moment specifically, too, is it's the sports sando that the ensemble does. It's, it's so pure, yeah. so strong, so strong. They do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's yeah. like, it's like a sonic wave and it's just, there's so many of them in the show and it's just so dynamic and musical and ugh, I'm so going to say that was like the best thing about being at reopening night was like, everything was just so crisp. Crispy. Tight. Yeah. It, I was like, this is exactly the show that yeah. Wicked LLC wants me to be watching. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's, there's not a and hair you wanna, out of place on this You better stage. believe, honey. <laughs> <laughs> we were vacuum sealed for three weeks. <laughs> Absolutely. It was the most incredible and like harrowing. It's a lot of work. It was a lot of, because it, that's what it deserves. It deserves right. to have right. that much work and respect and dedication put into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Lindsay, what's your pick? Oh, I have to answer. Um, um, God, well, I, I don't think this would be considered ensemble because this is technically a principal role, but Miss Miss Glinda, which history mm. gives the look. You love oh, the monkeys, just made me cry. You love those monkeys, I love the Lindsay. monkeys. <laughs> I love them. I love my monkey babies. I love them so much. I love the monkeys. I don't know. I just can't get enough of them. And I just love them. And then I always loved Gina Claire going somebody has to say it and then looking at history like because you can't and her <laughs> delivery oh genius kills me Incredible. she's like somebody has to say it am somebody i right because yeah. all all of your fucking helpers are mute <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got no one talking back to you but i think um, i just and i i really really love that but i also there's there's a there is a track in the show i have to shout this out because if Jeff Heimbrock ever listens to this, which he won't because he's too good for everything in the world, <laughs> he is so special. He's so unbelievable. I will miss him so much. He is so brilliant. He does all of our Dollar Sundays. And at mm. every Dollar Sunday, he, he writes out like an entire script about like <sighs> the, the weekly digest of what's happened at Wicked. So like oh when God. I was left up there... <laughs> The show Which the and listeners tell don't show. Add, give a quick recap for the listeners. Okay, so there was a day where Defying Gravity happened, and we'd been having like a like an automation issue that entire day. It was a double show Saturday. We we knew that there was an automation issue because during the Lion Cub scene in the first show, before I'm not that girl, a huge sound of metal churning was happening behind us, and we were like, mm, "Are we about to die?" And it, yeah. in the corner of our eyes, we were watching the bridge slowly. <laughs> way into the scene it was like two minutes late and we were like okay then i was told if that ever happens again this is where you hide blah 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 this is how we would block the scene great didn't happen didn't happen in the second show did define gravity <laughs> the lights went out and normally it's just a blackout and then the scrim comes down and then the work lights mm -hmm. come up on the stage and the house lights come up in the house no one can see it no one's none the wiser that I'm just dangling up there <laughs> looking like a person on a crane. <laughs> I went up and the lights kind of went out and the blue prisms flashed through the audience, which I never see because there's always like that mm. orange yellow spotlight on Alphabet's face after the button. And then I can always see the audience in the dark, hence the glowing voice notes and cameras. <laughs> I can always <laughs> see it. And, um, and uh, the house lights came up. And as the house lights came up, I heard this scurrying of little feet. And I looked down and there was no one on stage, not one person. And uh, then the work lights came up on the stage. <laughs> so I'm up there with the broom in one hand and my hand up here because I'm supposed to unclip my cape and take the broom in the other hand yeah. and hand it to a prop master. So I have the broom right. here and my hand here. And someone goes, hey, like, 
notices and they're like, oh, and is she's it scarier okay. with the lights up? I wasn't scared because I genuinely don't feel it anymore. But I immediately was like, oh my God, what have I done wrong? <laughs> like, oh my God, what have I done? What's going on? And also like, how long am I going to be up here? Like that yeah, was all I could right. think of. And I looked off stage and everybody's in the wings, like, you know, on their headsets looking at me. And I was like, they're not going to come get me until that scrim comes down. Mm-hmm. I've been pulled back, but I did, wasn't coming down. So they're finally, <laughs> like, and, and, and mind you, this was maybe like 30, 45, maybe a minute, maybe 60 seconds at max. Felt like mm-hmm. eternity, of course. And sure someone is. just went, you were great. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and I went, thank you. Hi, because a bunch of people were like, hey. He's like, hi. No. I literally, the scrim started coming down, and I went, bye. <laughs> like, and everyone went, bye. It's like, you were great. Amazing. And so Jeff Heimbrock, you know, every Dollar Sunday, he has this, like, weekly digest of what's gone on in the mm. Gershwin. And it's always like a read. Because he is a sentimental always, man. He's, he like, is. the biggest Wicked fan who's also in Wicked. He is. And that's like the beautiful thing. But he's also like the biggest theater fan. Like he's just, he's, he's, he's salt of the earth. He's the best. And he was like, (laughs) it was like, some things are meant to be seen and then very seen. Smile and wave, (laughs) Lindsay. And I was like, oh my God. Because I was out there like. (laughs) (laughs) But Jeff Heimbrock, he, he is in what we call the rat track. Do you know what the rat track is? We love the rat track. <laughs> we love the rat track. Jeff Heimbrock does this thing in Shiz Parlor. Okay. It's when Glinda is saying, perhaps you recall my entrance essay, magic wands, need they have a point? And she does like a little flourish. Yeah. Like she goes, She's done point? this before. Does she have a point? Like <laughs> need they have a point? And somehow he'll be like, a point? Oh, that's so good. You know, he does like, <laughs> oh, I love that. Or she's rehearsed it with him so he's like yeah 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 and it does not take anything away from the scene right that is just him making a mountain out of a marshmallow and it is I noticed I noticed it maybe four days ago and I was like (sighs) I couldn't I couldn't believe it and he now does something when Madame Morrible goes well he never mentioned you because he's already seen Elphaba being if to Glinda, he literally goes, yeah. <laughs> and walks away. Character study. It's genius it. work. It's unbelievably, I mean, it is just phenomenal work. That's the stuff I'm going to miss the most. As we end this, it does just feel very sentimental to have <laughs> you back on because you it were does. our first ever episode. And now to be speaking to you at the end of your contract feels like the end of an era. I just want to thank you for indulging us through this whole era. I mean, I'm sure you guys have, have, you know, been given messages, but you started something during, you know, a really, really hard dry spell and you passed around water bottles. You talked about theater and you talked about Wicked and you kept Wicked alive. I mean, you've got this, you got to talk to Julia Murney and and SJB and like Eden. And I mean, you got to talk to everyone, Jess. I mean, it's just... It's really, it's really, really cool stuff that you don't often get a chance to have like an inside look. And it's, it's an honor to be the first one. And it's an honor to be like saying goodbye, but it's not just me. It's Sam is going and our Dillamond is going and our Nessa is going and our, our wizard is going. So it's, it's a, it's the first time we've had like a chunky cast changeover Changeover. in a long time. So it feels like. It really does feel like the end of an era because it's the last of the principles. Is that right? It's the last of the From principles reopening. since reopening. That got so, through yeah. this COVID pandemic mm-hmm. era, you know? Yeah. It's all the, all the principles. Once we change over, it will be all the principles that reopened won't be there anymore. Which is like, it's, but it's time. We got to experience amazing things and tell the story, which is the most important part of the job because the best part is I tweeted about it the other day. The best part of these jobs is like, we're not free to leave Munchkin land. None of us are. And a child in the front row going Munchkin land. Like it's just, that's the best. It's the best. But then it's also time to like let other people have that magic. Mm -hmm. Cause it doesn't belong to us. As Joe Mantella said, Mm -hmm. we're just stewards of these roles while we have them. And then we give them to someone else when we're done. 
Well, Lindsay, thank you for coming back to Scent Men. Can't wait to see what you do. Maybe we'll do a Janice episode. Who knows? (laughs) We're just going to periodically require you to to come back. Honey, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be a a sentimental man whenever you want me to. Perfect. You're the standby host. Let me be the standby. You're the Carla Stickler. (laughs) You're the Carla Stickler. Let me be your Carla Stickler. Let me be her. You've been listening to Sentimental Men. This episode was produced and edited by your hosts, Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sentmenpod. You can support the pod by leaving us a rating or a review or by subscribing. Subscribers get early access to our regular episodes, monthly bonus episodes, and get added to the Scent Men Green Circle. Which is literally our close friends on Instagram. (laughs) Thanks to Julia DiMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. It was Heather Headley. Did you see this status update? Did you see Into the Woods? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you're in a show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I, I was like, I don't think I have the time to. <laughs>